0: Hello, my name is Joshua Gilliland, and welcome to the Legal Geeks Educational Series. I'm the blogger for Bowtie Law, a blogger for the Legal Geeks, and today we are going to be discussing one of the biggest issues in electronic discovery. That is the form of production. This is the subject of motions to compel, discovery requests, meet and confer topics, and frequently fights between opposing parties. So where does this come from? What does it mean? Well, today we'll briefly discuss what is the form of production. In essence, the form production is how electronically stored information is produced. It can be produced in its native file format, and thus the requests would specify as a native file. It could be produced as a static image, and that could be something like a TIFF or a PDF. The reasons for doing such a production, you know, vary upon the needs of the case. Most times, you'll want it as a native file because it's cheaper to produce natively. Uh, you also get all the metadata that's very helpful in all the different review products to being able to help identify things quickly. There are times when you will want a static image, perhaps if you need to do many redactions, perhaps if there's HIPAA information or social security numbers or other personal identifiable information. That's a reason to convert to TIFF. There are some native files that are specialty type files that aren't reasonably accessible in their own native application. Now, this is a rarity, but it it does happen. And in such a situation, you might want it produced as a static image. So that way, it can go into a review platform, so you don't need to purchase special software uh, in order to be able to look at the file in its native application. So let's examine the code sections that control their form of production. In federal courts, uh, governed by the federal rules of civil procedure, uh, we look heavily to rule 34 and rule 45 for uh, third party requests. We spend a lot of time looking at rule 34 for all the party requests. And third party requests with rule 45 can get exciting Uh, when we're dealing with, um, say, service providers that could fall under the Stored Communication Act. More on that on another time. So, let's break down Rule 34. Electronically stored information is discoverable. That's very established. We've been dealing and living with that for for over six years now. Electronically stored information is subject to production under Rule 34A. Now, Rule 34B specifies the requirements for the form of production. A requesting party is the master of, of their discovery request. And in, pursuant to Rule 34, they can specify the form of production in their request. So for example, say they want email messages and they want all the associated metadata and extracted text. So that way, they have all this free coding that can populate their database. Makes review easier, and all those wonderful tools that can see, you know, the the interactions with other email, you know, recipients, all the attachments, all that useful information that that go to the core of discovery. Uh, you can control that. Now, the responding party can object, and you know, state a different form as a reply. For example, they might agree with requests saying email messages should be produced in native file format with extracted text and different forms of metadata. They might agree to Excel files uh, because you want all that embedded metadata and all the other metadata that's helpful to be able to see formulas. But maybe they have some exotic uh, native files that aren't translatable easily uh, and the other side would need special software to review it. Maybe that they want to convert to a PDF or a TIFF, and maybe they need to object to that. Conversely, this is the sort of thing you should discuss in the meet and confer process we have agreement prior to discovery requests being propounded to each other. Uh, however, if the requesting party does not uh, state the form of production, the uh, responding party can can state, you know, that the form in their reply, but they cannot degrade searchability. People get into a lot of trouble with that. And in the event that you know it's not stated and no one you know states a form production, uh, the ESI needs to be produced in the format which is ordinarily maintained. You know, virtually all the time that, that's going to be in a native file format. Very few companies, after sending email, convert everything to non-searchable PDFs. It could happen, but that's just kind of an oddity out there. You, you just don't see companies doing that sort of thing. Um, maybe somebody prints important emails as a you know, to PDF after they're sent. But again, they would have to do that all the time. That's the sort of thing that you, you want to find out in perhaps deposition. But again, that, that's probably the exception and not the norm. Most clients, most human beings use a web-based email and they hit send in their personal lives. And at work, they're using one of the popular um, email systems that's probably based upon a software. And it would be very rare for them to be converting it to a static image of some kind after it's been sent. So again, just just the basics. Now let's talk about degrading searchable features. And this is a 2012 case, so these sort of issues still happen. And in it, you know, arguably, the producing party was playing games because they took all the ESI, they printed it as paper, and then scanned the paper back in and produced everything as non-searchable PDFs. The court didn't care for these shenanigans and found that the ESI was not produced in a, as a reasonably useful form because it was non-searchable. Arguably, it was you know, degraded because they took something that was fully searchable in its native application uh, printed it, so you know they killed a lot of trees in the process, and then scanned it back in. With the software we have today to conduct review, that, that sort of thing just shouldn't be happening. So again, there, there are, the rules prohibit this sort of conduct, uh, so there's huge requirements on no degrading searchable features because things like email and Excel and Word documents are all inherently searchable. Uh, it's just the way that the, the text works. So that concludes our brief discussion of the form production. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the form of production, you can check out my blog, Bowtie Law. Uh, you can also check out Jessica Menderson's blog, eDiscovery discovery Matters, uh, as we both discuss these issues. And be sure to check back into The Legal Geeks as we discuss all things geek and the law. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.